Thomas Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas, if you're familiar with him at all, was an intellectual giant. But he was more than that. He was a man of deep, deep prayer. He was born to nobility around 1225 in Aquino, Italy. He is one of nine children. And as a young child, Thomas was educated at the nearby monastery, Monte Cassino. And if you remember back to week one, it was St. Benedict who had founded this monastery. At age 19, he became a monk. But his family wasn't wild about uh, this place that he became a monk. He became a Dominican monk. They weren't so much against the idea of him becoming a monk and forming a religious, being in a religious community. In fact, his mom wanted him to join Monte Cassino, so someday he'd be the abbot, you know, he'd be in charge of the, of the, uh, of the monastery. They didn't want him to join the Dominicans because the Dominicans take a vow of poverty. So they, they kidnap him, they actually kidnap him and keep him in confinement in their home for two years. They're trying to dissuade him from being a Dominican. His brothers go so far to try to to throw him off course, that they bring to his room a prostitute, trying to entice him and get him to leave his vocation. Well, Thomas goes to the hearth and he picks up a flaming piece of wood and he literally chases her out of the room and foils his brother's little plan. Rather than deter him, this time of confinement for Thomas was a time that he began to study the Holy Scriptures And he began to memorize them and commit them, the passages of Scripture, to heart. Finally, his family kind of gives up on this whole thing, and they permit him to return. So he later went on to complete his studies under St. Albert the Great, and then he was eventually ordained a priest when he was in Cologne. Thomas was humble. He's quiet. He was reserved. He's what today we might call an introvert. But because of this and his hulking size, His peers dubbed him the dumb ox, and he was anything but. Soon that very brilliant mind of his began to shine. His teacher once told the class, Brother Thomas, we called Brother Thomas the dumb ox, but I tell you that he will yet make his lowing herd to the ends of the earth. One can study theology simply as a subject. And unfortunately, in our day, oftentimes there are many who are experts in the science of theology, the content and the knowledge. They become masters of that, but their, their hearts are really pretty far from the Lord. They're not even necessarily people of faith. Thomas was not only brilliant, but humble, pious, and devout. He would spend hours in prayer He often said that he learned more at the foot of the cross than he did from books. It's reported that he once beheld Jesus speaking to him in a vision. Jesus said to him, You've written well of me, Thomas. What reward would you have? And Thomas replied, Nothing but yourself, Lord. His magnum opus is called the Summa Theologica, a summary of theology. And it's meant to explain the Christian faith by answering and refuting objections to the Christian faith. One famous piece of his Summa are his five arguments for the existence of God. 
However, Thomas never, fa- f- never finished the Summa. Towards the end of his life, he had some kind of a mystical experience. And afterwards, he wrote this. The end of my labors has come. All that I have written, so think about this, all the brilliant things that he had written, all that I have written appears to be as so much straw after the things that have been revealed to me. That experience, I think, is reminiscent of the words of St. Paul from Romans 11. Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Last week, we learned the Franciscan style of prayer, free-flowing, carefree, spirit-led. Thomistic prayer is a bit of a contrast. Certainly, it's not the only kind of prayer that Thomas would have used, but it uses the thought patterns for which he is quite famous. This prayer style is the pursuit of understanding using logical thinking. There is a consuming desire in this prayer to uncover the truth and use an orderly progression from cause to effect. In prayer, what one wants to do is take a particular passage and study it sort of like a diamond, turning it and looking at it from every angle, asking questions like who, what, where, when, how, why. One can also take this kind of prayer with them throughout the day. You take a passage of Scripture with you, what St. Francis de Sales would call a nosegay, a spiritual nosegay, like a little bouquet of beautiful flowers that you carry with you. And you pause throughout the day and you examine them and look at them and admire them. Because, my friends, the point, of course, is not mere intellectual knowledge. We want to, tonight, and as we have been trying to do out th- throughout this whole series, we want deeper contemplation, a greater dialogue with God. As St. Augustine once said, I believe in order to understand, and I understand the better to believe. And so Thomistic prayer often leads to finding and praying about particular goals and changes that we want to make in our lives as a result of our meditation. So before we pray tonight, let these couple of passages of Scripture encourage you. First of all, Proverbs 2. If you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Or as Jesus would say, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Our reading tonight is the crucifixion scene. Using Thomistic prayer tonight, It will allow us to look at a very familiar story and text and analyze it more deeply. So let us pray. I invite you to take a deep breath and to relax your body. 
Come, Holy Spirit, and teach us how to pray. Lectio. When they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there, and over his head they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you're the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priest with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly this was the Son of God. Take now a moment to reread through the story for yourself.
meditatio. As I read the text again, apply the Thomistic method, analyze the the story. Who was involved? What happened? Where did it take place? When did it happen? Why did it happen? How do I change after hearing this story? And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head, they put the charge against him, which read, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook. And the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. Contemplatio, now stop thinking so much.
and be still and rest with the Lord.